I'm Commander Shepard, and the Unnamed Games Podcast is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Shepard out. Hello, people of the internet. My name is Craig, and welcome to the Unnamed Games Podcast, episode number 55. So we're really getting on with them now. With me this week, I have a Mr. Alan Longfangs Howlett. How are you? Sorry, sorry there, Craig. I got really excited there because you showed that video of Shepard dancing, and, yeah. and I just thought he's clearly stolen my dance moves. And I, was, I, was, I was really excited, and I, and I spoke out of turn. Sport your intro. Sorry about that, mate. You, you mo-capped am... him, didn't you? I, I did. That, that's what, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like people to know that. Because obviously his physique is based off me as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and a little bit of his personality. No, it's femship, isn't it? Well, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I just did the exact opposite. Obviously, I was a lot younger when I played Mass Effect, so I modelled my real-life dancing on what I saw in the game. So I thought, mm, that's going to get me the girls. Because it works for Shepard. <laughs> But it doesn't work for Phil, yeah. It doesn't work and, for And, uh, yeah, for the audio listeners, you may hear his dulcet tones. That is Mr. Phil and Mr. Speed Freak Phil. How are you, mate? Last as always. Oh, mate. Keep going on this one. Who shall forever as... now be known as Phil the Robot Thompson? The Robot. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, I need to put some more effort into my lifelike actions instead of just, you know, pretending that I'm real. Phil's updated his smile. firmware this week. Yeah. <laughs> That's real, That's right? a haunting, haunting smile. He's, field. he's running on Windows 11. Yeah. Uh, cool. Right, so this Can't week... Go to 12. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got a few bits we've been playing that we're going to talk about. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about um, some uh, an article that's been read around Ubisoft and potentially being bought out. So um, we'll go on to that last. But to start off, we'll get straight into it. And um, I want to start on the first game we're going to talk about, which myself and Phil have been playing quite a bit of. Um, I know you've been super excited for this, and that is Lost Ark. So we've been doing it for about a week or so now, haven't we, Phil? And get your uh, get your thoughts so far. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's like Diablo, but online with more RPGness and goodness. Yeah. I don't and know what to say. It's, and lots of other people. Yeah, lots and lot. Yeah, it's like Diablo, but with like thousands of people instead of just four. You know, yeah. everywhere we go, it's heavily populated. There's lots of people running around killing boars and digging up things and completing quests and buying new sets of armor. Oh, yeah, just, just put this in there, IGN. Phil is available for reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Extreme <Occasionally>. detail. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I've played it, been playing it as well, and I am suitably impressed so far. I was a little bit on the fence with it. I mean, I, I saw it, and I think when you when you look at the the gameplay, there is the obvious uh, comparison to something like Diablo because it is an ARPG, isometric view, um, and lots and lots of monsters on screen and just going absolutely ham on them, smashing them with huge um, uh, effects and everything like that. So, uh, but it's a South Korean MMO. And the only other thing I've played South Korean MMO wise was black desert, which I didn't get on with. Um, the story wasn't too hot on that. And I found the, the gameplay and combat was pretty lacking. Really. It was just very mediocre. So I was like, okay, I've tempered my expectation. Um, but jumped into this game after queuing for a considerable amount of time. I think the, <laughs> the queues are pretty heavy. That is an understatement, yeah, but yeah, it's very, very popular. 
much like Amazon's last MMO, uh, but we've been queuing a lot less. It's about sort of 20 to 30 minutes rather than three yeah. to four hours, so it's been not so bad. Um, but uh, yeah, sort of jumped in there and you know immediately once you get through the um, initial prologue and then the, the sort of starter tutorial quests, which are pretty run-of-the-mill boring, pick up some flowers and take them to Jill, and then Jill gives you a cake to take to Mary, and it's some really basic dull stuff. As soon as so you get through mate. that, I had to put the flowers in a in a like a thing. A well, pot. What, yeah, yeah, Plant yeah. Pots, so. didn't like them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, so once you get through that pretty drab stuff, and particularly when you get to the first dungeon, you really start to see the mechanics of the game, um, and it's it's really good fun. You can go in with I think is it a group of up to four. Yeah, so it's up to four players that you can go in. Um, They don't lock out specific classes or require you to have classes. So most MMOs you play require you to have like one tank, one healer, and then normally two DPS. Mm. The game doesn't seem to have that strict requirement. Now, in fairness, we're both, what, level 23-ish, 24-ish? Out of 50. So we're not anywhere near the end game content, so it's possible that the end game content will be more strict on the requirements. Mm. But at the moment, it seems a bit of a free-for-all in terms of you just queue up, it puts you in a party with some other people, and you go in and smash everybody, basically. Yeah. All is usually well. (laughs) You get some new armor, you get some rewards, turn some stuff in, usually you get a new pair of trousers that look exactly the same as the last pair of trousers. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I think you know. So you know, they're being a, that's an obvious, obvious plus point. I think is the the dungeons. Clearly, they're really good fun. Um, I think the questing system is um, it, it's it's up and down. I mean, the side quests particularly are very basic. You know, it is go, go to an area ten MMO. meters away, kill five enemies, come back and hand it in. So I mean, but what they've actually done with that is you don't really have to do the side quest if you don't want to because they've structured it in such a way that you can just do the main story quest and it will get you to the required level for end game by the end of the game um and what they've done with those quests albeit as they are you know pretty run-of-the-mill but i suppose you know most no, games are, like that they are going to be they are um, it's, but it's when you go standard. to hand in yeah when you go to hand in a quest you're not having to turn around and go back the way you came it's constantly driving you forward through the levels so you might speak to someone in a town and they say oh we need to go and you know kill some enemies here or we need to go and fetch these weapons from this or you know destroy this tablet in this part of the map once you've done all that you're moving to the next section to hand it into somebody else so it's constantly driving you forward which keeps that momentum going within the game Um, and you very rarely have to go back to an area even in the same map that you visited so it might be like oh you need to go and kill five boars but actually the meat from the boars is for the bloke in the next pit of the map yeah so it's very rare that you're doubling back it's only i think maybe a few times on the main quest where you like you get to like a town that's in maybe the middle of the map and then you go to the side and then back to the town to go to the next bit and you sort of zigzag a bit there but as a general rule it's quite a clear concise like the side quests they're there just for the XP, but they're not an inconvenience. You sometimes find side quests become an inconvenience. It's like, I've got this list of five side quests, and I really want to complete them because it leaves an itch in my brain if I don't. I just see the little icon flashing on the map. But mm. I don't have to go out of my way to do it. Like, you know, the boars will be in the same area as the tablet that you have to find. And, you know, the whatever it is, the enemy that you have to go and kill, the boss will be in the same place as all mm. the other enemies that you have to kill. So you just work your way through, and he's usually at the back of the map or something. So it's quite a, a sort of concise well thought out method certainly there's there's nothing really original in there you know it's mm. the tried and tested mmo formula as you've uh, so rightly pointed out it's the fetch yeah. quests that give you the xp in between and the kill quests yeah um, but i mean 
the story to a certain degree, like, I don't think it's particularly amazing. Like, it's enough to keep it going, but it's there's nothing stand out to me. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I can't even remember the last bit of the story quest we handed in. I think we <laughs> fell down a hole and fought a demon, maybe, and then he got upset and his buddy turned up and killed him because he was rubbish and we beat him. I think Something that was like the that. general consensus of it. It's got... It's got I've, quite I've a not few... played it. I've not yeah. played it, but I did watch a couple of reviews, and I just got your guys' input on this. So the two things that they said stood out in this game. Mm. The first one was the visuals. Mm. The the actual the actual pretty. areas are, are original, different, and yeah. quite frankly, jaw droppingly gorgeous for yes. the most part. The yeah. other part is the combat. The combat is sublime. Once you start yeah. getting those different abilities in and you start building, because you can level up individual abilities, can't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that means you can make quite unique builds that yeah. focus, oh, I want to use, like, I don't know, an ice power. I haven't played it, so I don't know. And then I continue to add things to that ice power that gives my character a unique feel and makes the combat really punchy and fun to play. Would you, yeah. would you say that was the case? Definitely, definitely. I think it's if you if as again as I said earlier on, you know, immediately likening it to a Diablo game, I would say it's very much like Diablo three because I know Diablo three is quite different to Diablo two. Um, you know, Diablo three is you know it's it's very fast paced, very action packed, massive hordes coming at you with huge abilities you're using to take them down. Um, and it is if you like Diablo three, you'll absolutely love this game. Um, it's some of the areas just... you go into. It, 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 yeah, it's just Diablo three online. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, with, one, with one, thing I will, one thing I will say with the much, and again, liken it to Diablo three is that there are far more abilities than you will ever be able to equip or level up. Mm. So when you hit the end game of level fifty, um, mm. there is like a cap of skill points. There are ways to earn other skill points, but there's effectively a cap of the amount you can get. So you can only pick a certain number of abilities. I mean, you've only got eight hot bar slots anyway. So trying to you, be trying to swap your hotbars around to get ninth and 10th bit so it just wouldn't work anyway it would ruin the pace of the game but it forces you to be very selective and even within that there is not enough ability points to level up every one of those abilities to the max mm. level so it forces you to be very choosy so you're generally you're going to aim for a couple of really strong abilities like i played the war dancer class and it has like a kind of punch 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 backflip kick that's really strong but you, you, what you tend to do is you fill out in between your strong abilities with almost like um, sort of standard abilities or, or gap fillers while you're waiting for the cooldowns to finish on your big abilities. So it mm. means you can be very tactical on how you do it. And you can either have like a kind of lots of burst damage and then you have to kind of cool down for a little bit and dodge and use some basic attacks. Or you can kind of string your attacks together with the different cooldowns to give you a really smooth like... So it feels like you're just playing a, a, an action fighting game almost. Mm. Yeah, all in all, um, you know, particularly as it's a free-to-play game as well, I would seriously recommend anybody who's got a PC, and you don't even need to have that powerful a PC to run it because it's actually quite an old game. It what they've done in terms of visually, visually is, is is stunning, but you don't need a monster rig to be able to run it. Um, so you can run it on a on a pretty basic system. You probably still need a graphics card, but um, but yeah. um, you know, it's free to play. Download it and give it a go because it is it is absolutely brilliant fun, um, and I can. See See why it's oh, there's a 1.3 million concurrent peak on. I think it was 1.5 was the peak on day two. Oh, was it 1.5 million peak? Yeah, yeah, and over a million people viewing it on Twitch as well. So it's it's pretty popular. Um, And uh, yeah, so yeah, all in all, pretty good stuff. Do you reckon you'll jump into it at some point, Alan? No, unlikely. 
Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's MMOs. You know, I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I've jumped into maybe a couple in my entire life. New World being the mm. last one with you. And yeah. again, it's one of those things that if, if I don't jump in at the right time, then I'm playing it on my own. You mm. guys will have moved on and been playing something else in the next couple of weeks. Quite frankly, you might go back if they bring added content, but I'll always be playing behind. It's, it's, it's not a game that I particularly look to play, despite mm. being Diablo-esque, which is, you know, I'm a massive Diablo 3 fan. Yeah. But it is still an MMO and it is still go here, do this, go here, do that type of mechanic. And yeah. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm mm -hmm. just saying that my interests lie in different games, which I'll probably be talking about later on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's not to say that it's not a bad game and I'm not interested. It's just it's, it's the amount of time. There's quite a lot of games coming out at the moment mm -hmm. and it's, it's going to slip past my radar because I, and I will miss the opportunity to play with you. So I'm probably yeah. not going to play it on my own. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a, fair enough. And I think that... Sorry, go on, Phil. I think there's a good chance, like, as you said, there's a lot of games coming out. This is the kind of game that we, me and Craig, are very likely to go back to probably in a couple of months as the game sort of dwindle off. So that might be an opportunity for you to jump in. I mean, certainly I don't really have a problem starting again with another character just to play through with Al, and I'm sure you're you'll such, uh, you're be well up for that. You're such an MMO shill, Phil. You really are. Alan, the phrase you're looking for is magnanimous in my offer to assist you in the game. Magnanimous. <laughs> you must come and play with us. Ooh. Oh no, it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a banging little title worth a go. Mm. And as we said, looks you know, looks, looks amazing. Mm -hmm. um, that brings us quite nicely onto another game that looks pretty damn stunning. I've not played it myself, um, but it's gone onto Game Pass for PC, and Mr. Allen has been quite uh, looking forward to this one, and he's been playing it. I I have, and I might have mentioned this before, but but uh, uh, it, it is Total War Warhammer Three, and it is the last one in the trilogy. So it's been six years in the making. First one came, out, I believe, May twenty sixteen, and it's one of those games. Being a massive Warhammer and Warhammer forty thousand fan uh, that I am, um, I don't play the tabletops. I just love the universes. I've read the books and that sort of stuff. Um, and when they announced they were making a Total War um, game based around the Warhammer universe, I was just absolutely blown away. And I just didn't have the money or the wherewithal to actually have a PC that could play at the time mm. and then finally I got you know the PC last year um, and, and I, one of the first games I bought if not the first one was Total War Warhammer 2 and I put it on and I was like yeah. it's, 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 yeah. and my brain just melted because it's, it's massively like, it, complicated it's massively complicated it's unbelievably yeah. and I'm sure it's like many things it's you know, not like, it's not like a command and conquer type click no. and go here click no, no, go no, no, no. there's right. so many systems and so many skill trees and you're, you're managing your resources at various settlements and you're, you're you're having to level up different lords who are running with different armies and then you have to understand the real-time combat with the armies and like you know, it's all a bit you know paper stone you know scissors rock paper scissors that, yeah, yeah rock paper scissors you know it's kind of like spearmen take out cavalry and like and it, it, but you still have to learn that and you learn the nuances of all the different armies and the different abilities and different stances and it was, I just looked at it and went no um, and played it for about an hour and a half and turned it off and didn't go back which considering how long I wanted to play it was just, was, it was just it just melted my brain yeah and admittedly I was I was I was in recovery mode at the time so you know it's it, 
But I never went back. I wanted to. And then this came up. And not only that, it, it, it's out on Game Pass um, on day release day. And I was like, well, I'm having some of that. I had it pre-downloaded. And I have to say, one of the first things I've noticed is that the, 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 the tutorial for new players is hmm. so much better than the previous one or two. It really, it, it's got a whole prologue that is multiple stages before you even get to like the main campaign and i'm about six hours in and i haven't even seen the main map yet i'm still mm. playing the prologue and each like it's like it's introducing me to all the different systems really piecemeal it's like oh and this does this and then go and have a fight and do this battle here and oh this does this so i'm very slowly learning the systems in a much more palatable and easier way than last time I and mean, i even tried watching youtube videos and the guy was like right this is how you do stances and I'm like, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's too much. But yeah, this feels much more accessible and it is absolutely freaking gorgeous. I've got everything turned up to ultra um, and I've got an RDX uh, Radeon, you know, 3060, so it's, you know, it can able, it can cope, but it's still pumping out. And I probably you've said got, that You've wrong. got a 3070, mate. Is it a 3070? Nice. Yeah. But it, yeah. Don't play yourself down, mate. It's a 3070, come on. It, 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 was, quite, it was quite expensive, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but... It's about five hundred quid, but anyway, yeah, but it's 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 like you know the the PC is pumping out more hot air than a sauna, and they mm. they are quite ren uh, known the Warhammer games for actually being really badly coded in the sense that the optimization, really yeah, the optimization they really work your GPU, but so this one seems War, better. Um, I was gonna say one of the. I think it was the first Total War was one of the first games to fully utilize DirectX 12. And it was yeah. one of the kind of poster child games at the time to show because they could massively increase the number of units on the screen. But as you uh, rightly I mentioned, can, I can say, you know, it. yeah, the temperature is number two is terrible. I was actually worried. I mean, it, my PC was fairly new. And when mm. I was playing, it, I was just kept on putting my hand on it going, it's like it's like hotter than a kettle. I'm like, I'm really worried. When's the when's the warning signs going to start popping up? This one it's still hot, but it is, yeah. a, you know, I've got everything on ultra. I've got the maximum resolution, which is something like, was it three and a half thousand by two? I don't know what it is. It's massive. Four, you're on 4K, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm on yeah. basic on 4K. And it, and it, it, it's just like the, the map itself looks fantastic. And then you go into the battle and you go right up to the units and they are so detailed mm -hmm. in the middle of a battle. I, I think I nearly lost two or three battles already because I'm so busy watching my ice war bears running into combat and I'm going, that looks so cool! Oh my god, oh god, no, 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 I've got to I'm being attacked, oh god. You know, I am actually playing this, not just watching yeah, it, hold on. Yeah. But it, it is phenomenally gorgeous as far as visuals and I, I, as I say, I'm only six hours in but I'm determined to really spend the time with this one and maybe even go back and play, you know, the second one once I understand the systems more but I think I understand even more already. Uh, as I said, it is on game pass on the pc so it's not going to cost you anything if you've already got game pass to, to, to install it um worth a try if you're brave but it is it, it's looking pretty damn good at the moment yeah it's um i've been i've always fancied playing those total war games and i've got mm. i think i've got total war napoleon i think i might have got off a humble bundle or something once and then i think i've got total war shogun um again i think that was free um was it free on Epic or something? It was free for some reason. I downloaded both of them. I think I tried 
Shogun one once again yeah. same sort of thing I put it on and was like I didn't know what the hell was going on I was like right. and it was I'm not in the right frame of mind this it looks too complicated I, I, I didn't even get to a battle bit I don't think I, was just, I didn't know what was happening so you think maybe this one might be a good entry point I think I think it really does ease you in a lot, lot, lot yeah. smoother. It's very concise. It's like it, it, I know once the, the screen starts to fill up with windows and buttons that you can press for, for you know, monitoring your settlements, for work, how much income you've got coming in, your different leaders and your your heroes and your armies and all these things and all different menus to manage and stuff like this. But you know, yeah, I've been playing for six hours and I think probably each hour segment they've added something new. They've got oh, by the way, you can do this with settlements and then next time you have you actually do that to increase you know your growth in your city you're starting to level up your your settlements as well and then it's like oh by the way you can do this with your heroes and then the next you're actually starting to do that and then you're checking that and you're so it's it's kind of it just giving you a bit each time and i think the prologue seems to me that it's like you're, you're taking on the four chaos gods um yeah. and i'm trying I'm to remember their names zinch nurgle corn and I forgot the last one, but anyway, there's, there's like four <laughs> chaos gods. I can't yeah. correct you. I'm just going to presume no. you're right. Oh, no. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In the, in Nurgle, Flurgle, Schnurgle, and Murgle. Nurgle's <laughs> the best one. He's the he's the he's the he's the, uh, the chaos god of pestilence. Okay. So I, I never could Far figure out why, why, why chaos marines actually <laughs> like wanted to seeds. Yeah, because they they're all decomposing and falling apart. But anyway, that that's by the by. But I, I've, compl- I've I've not defeated the god, but I've defeated that segment so far. It's called the labyrinth, and I've defeated the god of change, which is Tzinch. Um And now I'm moving. Now I'm going to move on. So I, I'm guessing the prologue is actually you're, you're you're actually taking control of the Kislevites, which are kind of a, a Czech, Russian type um, species or human a race. Um, and they're kind of, you know, it's all snow and ice and everything else where it's based. Um, and I've taken down him, so now that I assume I'm going to take down the other three before I get to the game proper. So if I'm six hours in, I've got a lot more prologue to do before I even get to, like, the game where you get to choose who you want to play as, because you can play as any of the different factions, I believe, or at least okay. some of them at the beginning, and try and do, you know, you try and take over the continent or defeat everybody else. So it is a high-level strategy game, but I think it's so also it- a very rewarding strategy game, especially if you like Warhammer and, and that kind of universe. Kind of sounds like the prologue's almost like your story experience, you know, just like a really kind of short, concise story experience yeah. of yeah, yeah. however long, probably if you've already six hours in, it sounds like it's going to be a 20 hour prologue. It's, it's like the single player <laughs> to the multiplayer, maybe, because I know that yeah. you can play the battles multiplayer. I'll never be good enough to do that, but you know, I'll probably go in and get absolutely massacred by somebody who went, Yeah, okay, I'll just run in my cavalry along that side. Oh my god, oh my, oh my army's dead. But you know, it's it's um. It is, um, I think, a lot more accessible, as I said, than, than any of the previous ones. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I mean, you know, speaking of story modes, there's a there's a uh, a new single player story experience has come out on PlayStation Five. Again, something Phil has been mightily excited mm. for, hasn't there, Phil? What have you been playing? I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West, Ooh. and it is the sole reason I bought a PlayStation Five. Yeah. If this game wasn't coming out. I wouldn't have had to buy a PlayStation 5 because I wasn't concerned. So, mm. well played, Gorilla. Well played <laughs> for supporting Sony. I too, I too uh, have been playing it as well. And I think I'm just a little bit behind you, aren't I, Phil? Well, it depends how much you played today, I suppose. Oh, right, <laughs> stuck okay. A, stuck a casual eight hours in today. What can I say? Feels like 20 hours in in two days. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Um, what? 
I haven't whilst, looked. Whilst holding down a job, and you you were having to go at me, you know, uh, was it earlier on, Craig, about the amount of time I spent on Project Zombie? Yeah. <laughs> 20 hours and two days. I want to make this clear. I booked a day's holiday so I could play it. <laughs> and therefore, not jeopardising my uh, work career. <laughs> and that's what I'm sticking to. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I have been playing the game. It is unbelievably pretty. It has mm. the traditional performance and the extra graphical fidelity mode on there. It's got the choice of two. The performance is your typical 60 FPS that we're all very getting accustomed to now. And in my opinion, is the way to play the game. Um, the fidelity mode looks very so crisp like the detail just on mm. the armor the detail in the environment even the the blades of grass rustling in the wind everything is razor sharp mm. but so just in terms of just in terms of a, 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 like spec wise i mean i did look at this and the the fidelity mode is actual 4k so it's, mm -hmm. it's genuine you know native 4k um, with 30 frames per second um and then the performance mode is 60 frames per second but that's 1800p checkerboard so sorry yeah. karen film yeah Thank you for clarifying on that one. Yeah, so that, that 4K, that does make a difference in terms of the clarity and the detail. It is a lot, lot sharper. But that 60 FPS, the, at the end of the day, this is a fairly fast-paced action game. It does require you to spend a lot of time kind of planning and dodging. So mm -hmm. you do want to play it in that smoother frame rate, I think. And you know what? Once you've played it in the performance mode for about two minutes, like you don't even notice. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still much prettier than the old game, so... <laughs> It's an upgrade either way. Yeah. Um, in terms of the actual gameplay itself, now I've got the, the there's the good and the bad. What do you want me to go with first? Go on, pick your poison, Craig. Um, well, go go with your go, go with uh, go with a good good. I've got I've got some good and bad as well. So go on, go with your okay. good. So the good is firstly it's very very pretty, um, and my second good is kind of good and bad. It, it feels like a solid sequel to the first Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, you know, the gameplay, it's very, very similar. It's still very kind of... You have to plan out your fights. Like, it's still tactical-based in terms of you need to look at your enemy, for example, or your target. You have to work out where the weak points are. You have to select the right kind of weapons. If you just run in there and go ham, you're going to get your ass kicked. And that has happened a few times to me. Where I've <laughs> cooked it horribly. <laughs> I've definitely died more in this game than I have in the previous one. Yeah. Um, the story, I'm loving where they're going with the story again. I really enjoyed the first, the story of Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, the problem with the first one is it was quite a slow burner. Like, it, it started very slow. Like, so, oh, you're just living in this world and it's all gone to crap. And, you know, there's some le technology left lying around. And it took you, a, you know, until you realistically got to Meridian, you didn't really understand what your main objective of the game was. And I know you struggled particularly with the first one because you kind of fell off before you even got to the main part of the story. Yeah, yeah. I was very, obviously I've been playing it as well, I was very different on this game than Phil was. Phil was hyped to the nines for this. And I was like, I want to give it a go because hopefully they've fixed a lot of what I didn't like in the first one. I tried probably four times to play the first one and just got bored so quickly. I, I think the final time I managed to get to Meridian, which is where Phil sort of says it's kind of sort of opened up a little bit more, but I just the the world just felt so flat and sterile and just it felt it just wasn't organic it was just a littered with random activities and it just it was really lacking the combat was um a bit dull i found but subsequently i think it's because i wasn't quite playing it right which we'll go on to mm. afterwards um but um one of the the biggest problems in the first game was the uh, like the animation 
and how janky everything was and floaty. So Aloy as a character, she sort of, it's almost like she's existing on a different plane from the actual world. She sort of floats across things or gets caught on stuff or nothing is smooth and, um, and organic in the way that it works. The combat is very floaty as well. The climbing very, very floaty. Um, and I'll just go on to one of my... my poor yeah, I think, it, I think that leads on to our, our kind of bad point before I yeah, circle yeah. around to the story is... You mentioned... <sighs> Yeah, you mentioned that it's it's a real sequel from the from the first one, and 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 that is a negative from it. Where they they clearly haven't invested enough time in changing the things that weren't very good in the first one, which is all that combat, that interaction with the environment. It, it just it floats. It doesn't feel weighted in the right way. What they've done is for the climbing as a great example. So before yeah, climbing was very measure. very limited. Yeah, very limited. There was there'd be little yellow boards up the side of a building or up the side of a cliff, and they would be the areas you could climb up. So very restricted what they've done in this is they've kind of gone oh we quite like what assassin's creed are doing and zelda and basically you know every other sort of open world game that has climbing in it these days and they go we quite like what they're doing let's do that actually let's not do that completely let's do it for maybe about two-thirds of the map um so you'll get certain points where you can climb on every little nook cranny of a rock but it's still in a specific path and you end up getting caught on areas where you can't progress forward. So you have to move back down onto another ledge and up round and, and, and you'll get half a foot away from the top of a ledge, but you can't climb up. You have to shimmy across three feet to climb up something that looks exactly the same. It's not organic. You jump yeah, from my... one, one cliff onto, a, onto a, a, a ridge, for example, and your body swings into the environment because it doesn't bounce off it, because again, it's, it's like it doesn't interact properly. You'll go across, let's say, like you've got like monkey bars that you'd run across the top of. You know, a game like an Assassin's Creed or something like that, like a free-running type game, they would bounce one foot off the other and run across them um, to mm -hmm. kind of get to the other side. This will sort of do that, so it'll jump from one to the next one, but the next one, before it goes onto the main platform again, it will stop. You can't make it push forward. You have to make it jump up and off onto it. It's really janky. And really frustrating to the point of where I'm really, really enjoying this game because I've got my head around the combat. But whenever there's a point comes up, I'll go, oh, I've got to climb again. It is not fun. It is frustrating the amount of times I've actually managed to just jump to a point and I've, I've, I've hit an area that I could feasibly grab onto. But because there's not a defined yellow line in that point, I just slide down the rock to my death. Yeah. frustrating that that is that is one of my bad points in the game mm. is the climbing it's it's almost like they did it half measure is the problem so like yeah. you said they've looked at that and they've gone you know what i love the fact that you know there's all these other games and they've kind of done that free climbing system where it's like it's a wall you can go wherever you want in this and then what they've done and they've gone is you can do it here here and here but we don't want you to do it here because you do up here you can cheat and you'll be able to skip out this whole part of the game and it kind of it's that old-fashioned game design where it's like yeah. you need to go to this area to do this bit it's it's a big open world game but it's not designed as a big open world game it's a big open world game that's designed with individual segments within the open mm. world it's like in this you know 300 square yards like this is an enemy camp and you need to go into here and you need to get to the back you need to kill the war chief or the leader mm. yeah so it's, you need it, to go tell you what it's like the climbing it's it's like it's like assassin's creed one but not quite as good that's how dated it is sorry phil go on yeah. <laughs> it just came to me <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's literally that. And it's like, they don't want you to go down the side of the map and be clever and just hop up over the side and stab them in the back and then climb out again, like you would do in a kind of modern Assassin's Creed game. They don't want you to do that. 
they do want you to do that because it says if you take the leader out, all the other enemies will give up and bugger off. And you're like, brilliant, okay, that sounds like the way to go. But to get there, you've got to go through the camp to get there. You've got to sneak your way through or kill them. It's, 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 like, it's that kind of two-thirds of the way. Like, you know, they've implemented it where you need to climb. They've got this new system. It's great. But actually, they want you to go this specific route, so they've just stopped you doing it here. Mm. And as a mission I was doing earlier, I was trying to climb through, like, this underground cavern. And it's literally like this lift thing between the ledge I want to get to and the one I'm on. And it wants you to go off to the right and climb up around all these beams and it takes you about two minutes to get around there. Realistically, I could just hop onto that in any other game and I'd hop over it. And it's just like, don't even put that there if I can't do it. Like, don't, don't. It doesn't need to be there if I can't jump on it. Yeah. But do you know what it's there for, right? It's there because there's a little chest in there that I can jump into and pick up. Yeah. But then from there, I can see it's like my face is pressed up against the glass. Yeah. I can't I, get today, there. I got to the top of a ladder, and it wouldn't let me climb up the last rung of the ladder. I had to climb back down the ladder and back up the ladder again. You know, for yeah. a game in 2022 release, huge budget. And let's be honest, it has been a long time from it's the been, last one. Was it 2016? First one came yeah, out? 2016. And bearing in mind, the last one, like it was PlayStation, then it had the Pro update, then it had the mm -hmm. PC release, where they've yeah. been polishing this system all this time. And then from the PC release, it went to the PS5 60fps update as well. Yeah, so they so spent I think a lot of time. Yeah, they've they've clearly spent a huge amount of time on the character models, the world design, mm -hmm. the quest design. I mean, it is a fantastic, it's stunning world to move around in, and the quests are engaging. They're interesting. It's one of those worlds that actually you think I really want to go over to that point of the world to find out what's over there. That you know, it, and that's it, exactly it. Exploration. That's exactly the, yeah, that loads us back down to the good points. If we flip-flop between the two for a moment, the questing system is brilliant. I love it. Mm. And I spent a good, I reckon, 10 hours, maybe 12 hours in that little, the, the, the teaching area, the trial area, the starting bit. And I was like, you know what? There's a question mark over there. I'm going to go and find out what it is. And I'd go there. Mm. And then it was like a quest where there was like a flooded mine. And they were like, oh, I've lost some buddies in there. And you had to go in there. And then there was like a puzzle to get through all the different tunnels. And there was swimming. And there was climbing. And then I found the guys. And it's like... Yeah, you can't just get us out of here. We're going to drown if you don't do something. And it, you know, it it's like, like it's a, a side mission that feels like a full story mission. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know we praised The Witcher for its side quests. Like you mm. know, sometimes you'd wander into that and you wouldn't even know it was a side quest. It almost feels like they're not quite there. That's, that's that'd be a very high praise to say they're Witcher three side quests, <laughs> but you know they are well thought out quest it's not that it's not like lost art where it's like go here and kill five of these scrappers because i need an aerial off it or something like that and then bring back the aerials like you know they're all they've got a purpose when you go there um also mm. they've been quite clever with this they've tied up a lot of the skill points into the side quest rather than into the main story quest um and i think that leads me on to another real nice positive change in the game which is the skill point system so previously in horizon zero dawn there was I think it was six skill trees, or maybe it's five skill trees, and you just there was three columns in each one, and you could just you got the basic one, and then the next one was like you could nook an extra arrow, and then you could nook two extra arrows, for example, or um, it was like you could override a machine, and then you would override it for longer, and then you could override it for the maximum amount of time, and then the last one meant you could override a mount level machine, and it would always stay overridden, and you could then summon it. Um, it was very simplistic, and by the end of the game, you'd unlocked everything. This one. Now, I'm not 100% sure if this is true, but it doesn't look to me like there will be enough skill points in the game to unlock every skill in the game, 
which then leads it quite nicely to you then can select your style of play whether you want to be playing with like the hunting bows whether you sort of draw them back and it's it's kind of that mid-range combat where it does decent damage with the bow you've got the elemental abilities so you can get ice and you can get um they've changed the, the what do they call it the like the the poison one i can't remember what they call it now the corruption they've changed that to acid now which i think was a good move as well actually it's a bit more appropriate than corruption because it it's just a bit of a, a vague one, the corruption. Mm. Um, but the hunting bow, it has a bit of everything. Like it's got the elemental abilities and it's got decent damage. The warrior bows, they're very short range. They don't do that much damage, but they fire very quickly. Like you just pull the trigger and it fires at full damage. You don't have to charge it up, for example. And then you've got your kind of long shot bows, which are the big, long distance, draw it back, do like loads of damage. Like a sniper bow. Like a sniper bow, yeah. And you get a mm. big zoom on them as well. Um, they have added lots of other element weapons to it as well like there's going to be bolt casters which is basically like a crossbow um you know i'm sure they'll still i haven't come across it yet but i'm sure they have the traditional flamethrowers there's a thing in there called like a ravager blade where it throws like a disc out um and mm. does loads of damage then you catch it again and the more times you catch it the I'm more damage it does yet. there's actually just talking about the uh, the weapons and things in there there's a piece of equipment you get that I mean, somebody needs to be given an award for their naming conventions and stuff on this because it's basically like a rope with a grapple hook on it. You throw it against things and you and you pull stuff like rocks or or, or beams, mm. and it's called a pull caster. Well that done, was that genius, genius. The pull caster. The best part <laughs> is though when they introduce it in this little cutscene, it goes in there and she goes, "Um, yes, it's a pull caster." Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you're going to name it something gimpy, I appreciate the fact that they pulled that off quite well with the whole, I'm not sure about this either, but a pull yeah. caster? <laughs> it's almost like a like a question like, is that okay to call it that? <laughs> so I did appreciate yeah. that was a nice touch. But yeah, the, the skill tree, um, sorry, as I was talking about, it looks like there's going to be that where you have to be a bit more selective in there and pick your points. Mm. Um, I mean, that said, I haven't seen a reset option in there, so it's possible maybe there isn't a way to earn enough skill points, maybe if you do do all the side quests. Um, but there's a lot more variation and they've added in these new like super moves or super abilities where like you'll get loads of extra damage with your bow for like 30 seconds or there's one that gives you pretty much unlimited health regen um, mm. the, the one I particularly enjoyed which is the first one a lot was the stalker one where you basically can go invisible <laughs> and it's like on your, you put it on your arm like that and your whole thing goes like, almost invisible like predator style and you can sort of run around enemies sneak and, up and yeah, stab the, people in the back yeah do the instant <laughs> kills which is quite cool as well so um Particularly one of those really irritating camps that I had to go through. I just slapped that one and just bolted straight through the middle at full pelt. So, with Alan, so obviously the first one is available on PC. Has has this ever tickled your fancy or something you feel like trying out, Horizon? No. No? No? <laughs> I, know, it, 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 I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people like it, but mm. and I like the, the universe that they've created. It definitely seems, uh, seems very visually stunning and, and everything else, mm. but... Uh, I mean, even with you guys talking about it, a lot of it seems quite, I don't know, scripted. It, it seems like you go to an area and you have to do this, mm, no, you have to do no. that. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a bit like, again, it comes down to the amount of time that you have available. I'm aware yeah. that God of War is available on the PC now. Yeah. 
and this is a game that I, I am more interested in playing. And if you had the option I, between the two of them, I would definitely go God of War. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I know I played about, what, 20 minutes around your house once and was yeah. blown away almost immediately by, you know, yeah. the get, just, just what I saw there, and I barely even scratched the tiniest of surfaces. So, mm. you know, um, but again, it comes down to time, you know, resources and that, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. highly unlikely I'll, I'll, you know, unless it's dead cheap in a sale somewhere at some point. Or the Project Zomboid servers go down. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't swear at you, Alan. I say that's just wrong, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. All, don't even we, choke. We, yeah, we know please what, don't. We know please. what I'm like. In, in another two or three weeks, I'll pro- I might have a completely different game that I'm obsessed with. It's just just yeah. the way the world works. But yeah. when I am obsessed with something, it's very difficult to to move off to another game, no matter how good it looks. It takes a mm. it takes a good game to really pull yeah. me away from a current obsession, which is why, you know, Warhammer and perhaps the other game we're going to talk about in a bit is, mm. you know, these are significant games for me, mm. whereas Forbidden West, I'm kind of like, I, I look at it and I just think, yeah, looks, looks good, but yeah. I'm, I'm not, like, mm. gasping mm. to play it. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think all in all, you know, obviously being, being Phil are both all in all very positive on it. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a really, it's a, it's a really, really good game, just held back by tiny little things that stop it being a great or amazing game. So you know, it's, it's, it's nearly, nearly there. But, it would be um, amazing it, if it was, if it was that game in the previous one. Do you know what I mean? Like all the niggles, they'd be 100% acceptable on a PlayStation 4, but on a 5 and the amount on of On a first iteration, on a first iteration yeah. of a game, yeah, they should have fixed it by now, but yeah, but yeah, in, it, today, I played it for a bit and got to the top of a kind of a cliff edge and looked across a vast valley with mist and like, um, kind of like the orange kind of butte rocks hanging up and these huge like kind of um, metal tentacle things coming yeah. up through the, through the steam and it just was jaw-droppingly stunning even on the performance it look amazing um, and I think that's something that really is going to um, kind of define that game is the visuals they've done it because they've mm-hmm. done an absolutely fantastic job um, and talking of you know stunning visuals and things that you know oh, really nice. really stand out on something nice. um, Alan has watched a movie from Mr. Villeneuve Mr. Dennis Villeneuve recently yeah so I mean I know you talked about this last week and this made me yeah and then I finished the podcast and my wife Ellie said to me oh are you aware that June is available uh, uh, on <laughs> Microsoft store and I'm like oh really so I thought, okay, so Phil talked about it and I watched it. And, um, and, and it's one of those stories that I kind of think, uh, you know, I, I, I've been trying to read. It's actually on the shelf behind me. No, wrong way. That's, that's it right there, <laughs> June. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I don't read as much as I used to because I'm too obsessed with computer games, but I used to be a voracious reader. Project Zomboid. It's not just that, it's just survival games and strategy games, and they take a lot of time, don't they? So, you know, and, and, and I'd much prefer to play those. You're making up your own story. But I am still a lover of fantasy and sci-fi and the stories that get told. Um, and, and I vaguely know the story to June. Um, and I have to say that if there's one thing I have to give complete credit to to Dennis Villeneuve is that he clearly has an eye for cinematography. I actually went and looked and saw if it was the same cinematographer, cinematographer for that and Blade Runner 2049, and it actually isn't. It's a different oh, guy. Mm. So, and I was surprised by that because one thing mm. that I took away from um, from June is that it is stunningly gorgeous. Yeah. And the scenes that you see in it are just, they just, they're just draw droppingly 
astonishingly good. And there's also an element, and I've mentioned this about other films before, and I think this is an eye that Dennis, you know, because we're close friends, um, that, that he clearly <laughs> has an eye for what I call the, the, the comic book panel look. And there are scenes within June, like when there, there's an attack on the... On the uh, um, um, the, uh, on the tradies, on the, 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 their camp. Um, and there's this just side-on view of Gunner, played by Josh Brolin, and all the guys running towards their ships. And it's like it's like a panel in a comic book as they're running along the silhouettes of the massive ships behind them. And then they start exploding and these great explosions. And I'm looking at it and it's just visually stunning. But it's I, I look at it and I just think, I, I could see that in a comic book. I could see that like that. And it mm. seems like Dennis Villeneuve, he's really got an eye for that. But not only that, I think that, that there is a stellar cast as well. And I'm trying to remember the name. I've written it down. Let me just get it up. But the, the guy who plays Paul Atreides. Um, Timothy he, Chalmay, isn't it? Yeah, I've never heard of him before. He's been in a few movies, none of which mm. are ones that would be on my sort of like periphery. Um, and he really holds his own. And he's got a lot of big hitters standing around him. Um, as the cast, we've got Oscar Isaacs. Um, you know, we've got uh, we've got here. Oh, written Zendaya, it she's in that. As yeah, well, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin. I said Oscar Isaacs, and and an unrecognisable Stellan Skarsgård, who is phenomenal as Baron Harkonnen. And if mm. it wasn't for the fact that his voice is so recognisable, I would never have known it was him playing the mm. part. He is he's either CGI'd or completely cosmetically, you know, all mm. this. These you know stuff he's got on him. He doesn't look anything like himself. But he again, everybody in it is phenomenal. But if it wasn't for the fact that that Timothy Chalamet does such a fantastic job as Paul Atreides, it would all fall apart because he really is the central protagonist, mm. and he does a fantastic mm. job. He really, really does. I don't see, and again, I haven't finished the book, but from what I can tell, it doesn't seem like he has veered. Dennis has veered very much off the story. He's stuck quite solidly to the story in fact in most respects but I'm no expert if you're an expert in Dune the book then you might be sitting here screaming at the, the podcast going no it's absolute travesty because he's completely changed everything but from what I could see the story is solid and as you commented yeah. last week uh, you know it's I did not know at the time that it was part of a trilogy um, and I believe that Dune uh, part de, part two is a scheduled for a 2023 release so I'm very excited for that I'm I mean, yeah. I, I, I was very, very much entertained, blown away by the visuals. The story was awesome. I finished that film and I just wanted more. So a question for you then. So it's worth, I mean, because I want to watch it and, and mm. I have been putting it off a bit and I did say I'd watch it with my mum because um, she's really, I mean, she loves June and, and she's mm. really into sci-fi and stuff. Yeah. So I think she'll love that film. Is it worth, is it something you think, yes, I'm glad I watched that first part, or I would have preferred to have watched it to go straight into the second part. Do you know what? There, there is something that I'd like to like to sort of comment on here, and that is the fact is it is very high sci-fi. Okay, mm -hmm. so if you're wanting to watch the new Star Trek movies with all the action and James and Pike jumping around everywhere and all this, or or you're looking for even Blade Runner, for example, which is you know it's got some really solid topics and stuff like that, but at the same time it's still got all those 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 you know tropes that you you kind of expect to see in a science fiction movie. Dune is a completely different kettle of fish. The story is very high sci-fi. Um, and I can see somebody going in to watch it and, and then being totally, 
you know, pushed sideways or uh, by the unexpected way that the story is told. It's it's almost yeah. slow in some points, and they don't always give you all the information. It's like, for example, one of the key plot points is the fact that there's a betrayal. And I'm not going to go into details because you haven't seen it, but the betrayal is by somebody that, that sets things in motion and is very powerful. But at no point do they actually bother to explain to you why. Now, maybe that happens in the second and third books, but... You know, you have to be prepared to have this element of disbelief and mm -hmm. just take things as they go. And I think for some people that may not be their cup of tea. They might like it a little bit more action orientated. And it's very, mm -hmm. it's political and it's, you know, and it's talking about so, prophecy and very high sci-fi. Yeah, much, so it sounds... Yeah. Like it sounds like this is probably a question more to fill that it's going to be more along the elk of like foundation is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you're yeah. very much along for the ride, and it is yeah. a bit of a thinking man's film in terms of you yeah. know all the clues are there in the in the script, mm. but they're very they're kind of subtle and in the background almost, and you know like something will happen and then you'll kind of understand why, but it won't be till a couple of scenes later. Sometimes yeah. I think yeah. when they sort of go into a bit sounds more of my alley. Oh, you'll absolutely love it. Well, you love Foundation, so yeah, like yeah, Alice said, it's very high sci-fi, and you'll love it. And uh, the other comment I have to say is the sound design is brilliant on that oh, as well. Yeah. The sound is astonishing, so oh. immersive. Now, you've got that Atmos soundbar, Craig. You need to crank that up, okay. shut the doors, warn the neighbours that you know there's <laughs> going to be some rumbling going on. Cause this, this, this that's what I did. Was it? The Bratley's like, reviews of all the headphones, and, and I was at the mm. time, I'd just spent, what, 99 quid on the Microsoft headphones. And, mm. and while they are not in their heady prices of, of the Bang & Olufsen that he paid yeah. for and actually ultimately sent back, I have mm. to say, for the £99, I'm certainly getting my bang for my buck because I listened to that film on those, and the bass was phenomenal. Every sound, it was just, it was just phenomenal, mm. and I was so glad that I was listening to it on those headphones and not coming through the TV. Awesome. Yeah, there's a there's awesome a lot stuff. there's a lot going on in the soundtrack like yeah. particularly you know there's that where the, I already mentioned ships explode and lots of stuff going on but there's mm. other things happening that you get a lot of information from the audio track as well it's true yeah. cinema true oh yeah just cinema. honestly mate just just crank that up sit back you know get yourself a beer or yeah, try, try, and get, try and get a spare just, two, two and a half hours where you're not going to get disturbed. And I know that's difficult yeah. with your hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You've got two kids. You know, and it, it, it got things. But if you can just sit there and try and absorb that whole thing, it's, I think it's just... It, it, for me, I watched that, and as I said, I just got to the end, and I was just like, when's this next film coming out? I need to see the next mm -hmm. film. It's going to be a trilogy that I am going to buy and then yeah. watch all three films in one yeah. sitting. Well, I'm glad that it's. I'm glad that it's um, been picked up for another one because obviously that's yeah. the that's sometimes the problem. You have these films; they do a first part of it, and if it's not a commercial huge success, <clears> then potentially it doesn't get greenlit for a second part, which would be terrible, you know, with a film and a story of this magnitude, you know. Yeah. Um, but I know that you've been watching something else actually that has been a critical success, and actually it's the third part of a trilogy, isn't it? What the the Kingsman? Yeah, yeah. So I watched this yesterday. Actually, I was I was just because uh, I, uh, I went out to the theatre last night with Ellie, and uh, we went and watched the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was a lot of fun. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Did you insane? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's do, do the time, the time warp warp again. again. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes, we're scaring people off in droves. But uh, yes, yeah, so, but I watched that and it's fantastic. And I came back and it was it was late, but I just I felt like I wanted to watch something else for. And I looked at it, it was two hours, ten minutes, and it was on Disney Plus. And I was kind of like, do you know what? I really love the first movie. 
kind of like the second movie, not nearly as much. So I thought I'll watch it. I I I, I was hugely disappointed. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been trying to figure out why it was, and, I, and I've been looking at like the director, and it's the it's the same director, it's Matthew Vaughan, who directed the first one and the second one and the third you the one. Do ha- the Hangover? Uh, I'm not sure, but he's he's been the producer on a lot of things. He was the producer mm. on Kickass, for example. Um, oh, so okay. he's, yeah, so you know, and that again, a film I absolutely love. Um, and there's there's Phil typing with Phil's, 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 uh, Phil's Every, googling Michael yeah. Ma- uh, Matthew Vaughan. Well, I'm curious <laughs> now. He, he needs a quieter keyboard, is what he needs. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, and and it, and there's just, the thing that seemed to be missing is the fact that the first two films he co-wrote with somebody called and I Jane Goldman, mm. and he did not write the third film with Jane Goldman. He wrote it with another gut with a guy, not Jane. And and it seems to me that must be the missing element because I look at the first film and the reason the first film is I, I love it. When it first came out I was like, this is amazing. It's because, Sorry for the interruption, Alan. Kimmy shouting in the middle of yo, the podcast. Yo, Kimmy, <laughs> sup. Yeah. Hey Kimmy. But, yeah, yeah, but the, the first film, and I don't know whether you agree with me, but the first film, it's like a punch to the face when you watch it. You get, like, mm. when you watch the church scene, you oh. come and you're like, oh my yeah. God, I've never seen anything like that in my life mm. before. Oh my God. It just knocks you sideways, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. there's so much of that film that's just fun. It's just, it's not taking itself seriously. You've got Samuel L. Jackson as the bad guy throwing McDonald's down for a big meal and he's a billionaire and it's just like, it's just tongue-in-cheek and it knows it's tongue-in-cheek. Mm. It knows it's taking the mick and it entertains almost every single turn. The thing in the pub, you know, where he goes in, he shuts the door and kicks their ass. It's, mm-hmm. it's you're watching it and you've got a smile on your face. Full of cliché. It is, but it yeah. doesn't matter because yeah. it's like it's like it's like the, the the middle of the road James Bond film with a load of humour and a load of fun, but with some kick-ass fighting in it, you know, and some good gadgets, and you love it. You're like, this is a great fun film. I'm really enjoying myself. Number two, I think they tried a little bit too hard, and and it didn't quite hit all the marks, but it was still fun and entertaining. And then they come to the third film, and they're like, do you know what? We want to do an origin story. And then they, it's like they completely removed every piece of fun. It's like they try, they've got this backstory about how the origins of the main character played by um, Ralph Fiennes and how you know his, his things happen, people die, and, and that makes him into the person that wants to create this secret service. And it's like there's not a single moment in that film where I cracked a smile. I was entertained occasionally, Mm. Um, by it's like one decent fight scene in with Riss Evans where he's playing Rasputin. It's all about how the the bad guy, the big bad, um, starts World War One and his reasons for doing that. And again, that's another thing that seems like a totally missed opportunity and is pointless. You get like all the way through the film, almost from the first five minutes, you're shown like the bad guy, but you're shown like the back of his head. And it's some guy talking in a Scottish accent and he's on about he hates the British and he's doing all this to take down the British. And you get to like the last 10 minutes of the film and then Ralph Fiennes turns up and they're going to have this big fight and the big reveal of who the guy is. And it's a it's a minor character that you met at the beginning of the film and you're just like, yeah. Mm. 
And it's just, it's just, it just doesn't deliver on any of the same points that the first film does. It's almost like they took all the fun out of it and went, let's make a serious story about the, 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 the invention of the secret Kingsman Secret Service and forgot to make it fun. It's, mm. it's not, it, I just didn't enjoy it. Uh, and I'm disappointed I, because of the pedigree of the first film in my mind. I took one look at that and I thought, nah, I'm all right. I literally, because yeah. <clears> I really, I really, I absolutely loved the first Kingsman movie. I thought that yeah. was brilliant. I watched the second one, much like you, I thought, mm, it's all right, it's a bit more. I took one look at that, I watched the trailer, I was like, well, that's nothing like the other two, I'm not even interested. I know it's on Disney+, Plus, and I'm not going to watch it, because I just, I'm not interested. Mm. Uh, yeah. Just for reference on the directors, quickly, uh, mm. Layer Cake, Stardust, Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, and then the, the King's X-Men uh, are you films. Sh- are, are, you sure, are you sure he's the director on all of those? Because on Kick-Ass, he was the producer, not the director. Uh, he was a producer big so time. He was the, he sorry, my apologies. The only ones he didn't direct were X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. It's the mm. only one. He did First Class, uh, All the Kingsmans, uh, Kick-Ass, it says he was the director, writer and producer, mm. uh, Stardust and Layer Cake, although Layer Cake, he wasn't the writer. That was Guy Ritchie, wasn't it? But they just, they just, that, they, yeah, it was Guy. No, it wasn't Guy Ritchie, but, but, no, but it's, it's just there seems to be so many missed things. I mean, even the ends fight between the the, the main bad guy and the, you know Ralph Fiennes. It's just like there's there's music over it that doesn't seem to fit the combat. Mm. And the fight is just a bit boring. It's not even yeah. it's not even an exciting fight. You know, like you had in like the first one with the the woman with the you know the the the, 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 the feet removed and jumping about. Oh yes, <laughs> you know. But she was again. It was just stupid and over the top and just fun and silly yeah. and it's, the, this the woman is... with the sword legs was that number yeah. one or number two number one that was number one because yeah. i don't think i could even remember number two i don't want yeah. you to remind me what it is i, no. I remember i remember going here eh. and much like you guys have said the first one was maybe i wasn't quite as hot on it as you guys i thought that was fun yeah, it was all right it was worth a watch but sounds like yeah maybe not even worth wasting my time with oh, the third yeah. one, really. to be honest that's I, very I much my opinion yeah mm, yeah. yeah so oh well yeah um okay cool well i think after alan's alan's movies of the week, <laughs> of the week. <laughs> we're going to move on to uh well our the uh title point of this episode which is about cyberpunk 2077 the patch 1.5 so 14 months after this game was released um in let's not mix our words a pretty sorry state <laughs> Particularly on last gen consoles, um, they've come out with what I think they're sort of saying is their their current gen or next gen, new gen, whatever you want to say it is uh, patch. So it's designed for Xbox Series X and PlayStation Five. This also brings changes to the previous generation consoles and to PC as well. Um, but it is their kind of swan song for saying, you know, this is us kind of elevating it to the point of where we think it's a, it's going to be a great game. They're still working on it. Um, but what I'm just going to bring up on the screen, for audio listeners, you obviously won't be able to see it. It's just a list of what they've done uh, in terms of the improvements. So you've got new weapons, um, additional apartments for V, a hairdressing hair. mirror. Yeah, you can actually do your hair and change the way you look in the mirror. Um, a rebalance of gameplay economy and loot systems. Ray-traced local shadows. Um, some of the, Obviously, these are varying on different platforms, so I won't go through them all individually. Uh, various visual quality improvements. Spatial headphone audio. Uh, improved crowd reactions and DualSense controller features, which is obviously just on the PS5. So... 
I have, I mean, we've all tried this. Obviously, I think, you know, a lot of people, I think, are really curious to jump back in and see what they've done with, with this um, next-gen update. Now, I downloaded it, and um, I have put a considerable extra, I think I've probably put eight hours into it now, um, starting a brand-new character. Um, I fired it up to have a look, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to start off as a nomad character, just because I can get straight in and try the driving out, because... I mean, it doesn't matter if you haven't played the game, it's the start of the game. When you do Nomad, you start off with a car. Um, so jump straight in the car and, and had a bit of a drive about. Now, my first impressions, and my impressions probably over the first good first few hours, is the driving has seriously improved. It's, it's much, much better. I mean, I haven't played it in a long time, so that may be something that's been incremental over time. But the, the difference between probably a year ago and now vastly improved. The second thing is the gun combat. Again, night and day compared to what it used to be. It's, it's now actually, I'm finding it fun, the gun <laughs> gunplay. Whereas before, it was kind of a bit like when you'd play Fallout. You know, when you play Fallout, it's not a first-person shooter. The gun combat is there. You you sort of use your... Um, What's the what's the your VAT what system? Called? VAT system, that's your it. System, and it, yeah. and it is very much an RPG shooter. It just sort of serves a purpose, but you're not driven forward by going into combat, and that's not the main crux of the game. You're driven forward by the RPG and the story, and that's what what happened to me with Cyberpunk 2077. Whereas now I went into the um, mission. If again, people would have seen it on the trailer, the mission against the Maelstrom Gang, where you go into this old food processing plant. There's various ways to go in, um, but the way that I did it culminated in a big fight through some corridors and then fighting a boss at the end. And I finished this fight and went, "Wow, that was that was fun." It was like playing a proper first-person shooter. It was really, really good, but with the RPG element, you know, sort of, you know, taking health bars down and stuff. Got out then into the world as well. Um, the driving in the world with the other tra the other um, traffic driving around, they act so much more organically than how they did before. Before, you'd see cars just driving in the most random places, smashing through walls and posts. It was just car it was just awful. It didn't look in any way organic at all, and, and it's much, much better now. It feels a more organic world. The... the um, pedestrians around the area now i've had a conversation with a couple of different people who've had some different experiences so my my experience so far after about eight hours has been 99 percent positive so there's hardly well i know there's there's been a couple of instances of it but hardly any duplications of people out in the street um, it's been every now and again I've spotted people. The crowds now don't walk in their silly little circle just on one bit of pavement. You don't have it so that you walk down a street, turn around, and when you turn back, everybody who stood behind you has just vanished. So they all stay there <laughs> as they should do now. Also things, if you pull a gun out and fire a gun in a crowd of people, they'll all run away again quite organically some will get run over by cars and cars will try and stop to not hit people but as they're veering off it just goes into carnage but you'll get some people who'll pull a gun out on you and go for you with a gun or you might get some guy with his shirt off with loads of muscles come like come up put his fists up to you and try and have a go which at that point you just throw a throwing knife into his face um but <laughs> <laughs> so they've really moved it on a long way and all in all the game it just feels polished in so it, it's not it's by no means the most slickly crafted game. It's not like a, a Naughty Dog game or anything like that. But it's at that point now, whereas if it had released like this, people would have absolutely loved it. Because it is a great game, let down by a poor experience at the start. Um, so the, it kind of brings me on to something I wanted to talk about <laughs> off the back of that is... 
um, a lot of people, and again, online it, se- uh, online, it seems a very kind of 50-50 opinion on a lot of this stuff. You've got, um, you've got a lot of people are still really disappointed, um, whereas a lot of people, are, are much like myself, are really, really happy with how it's gone and happy to jump back in again. And I think it's a lot about people tempering their expectation because, we, as we know, when that game was announced and all the trailers and things that we would get and everything they said about it and the hype that was built around it, we all had in our minds that this was going to be Grand Theft Auto V, but in a futuristic city with RPG elements. And it was going to be, you know, the most incredible thing we'd ever seen. The fact of the matter is the way it should have launched would have fallen short of that. But the way that it did launch fell short of it. Plus, it was buggy as all hell. <laughs> so what they've done with this next gen release is they have cleaned up a large proportion of these bugs yes there is still some bugs in it and again you get lots of you know triple a releases that that launch with bugs but um generally it's in a really good solid play state um and i think like i say about temper and expectation i think people have really got to say to themselves we are never going to get a gta game out of this that's not what it is it's more like playing the witcher that's got cars and more people walking around in it. It's it's an RPG first, open world secondary. You know, you're not going to get into really great dynamic police chases like we did with GTA. The only way that's going to happen is if Rockstar took over development of it, and that ain't going to happen. But I guess <laughs> you mean, Alan, you've played a couple of hours into it, haven't you, or, or an hour yeah, or so? Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your opinion so far? About two or three hours. And I mean, uh, you know, as, as a, a disclaimer, I mean, I am one of those rare people um, the first time around um, before the next gen upgrade where before, I before actually... you go any further, I just want to just 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 uh, mention that my son has come on with 55 minutes of rambling and now we can finally talk about the title. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> um, I think we need to promote Ryan to uh, to chief executive writer of the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, I think and so, see yeah. how well he can do. <laughs> Um, because clearly he's a critic. But yeah, just just to to make it clear, I I had a a really good experience as far as I didn't have nearly any bugs when I played the first time around. Um, And and I wasn't, and thank you, Kim, for bringing that up, because that was the the first thing I was going to mention, and we were talking about this before the pod even started. I think one of the the chief problems that that, that Cyberpunk had was was the high expectation and the hype. And, And I was saying, you know, it's hard to tell at this point, looking back on it, how much of that hype was generated by the community and yeah. how much of that hype was generated by yeah. by CDPR and, and even not whether they actually stamped down on it because as a company they're like this is great people are hyping up but people were hyping it up believing they were going to be getting a game that simply doesn't exist yet some of the promises that were being made were simply undeliverable. And, and my first example of that will be when I played it the first time, I played as the Nomad. And I was kind of like, you know, the beginning to that is quite cool because you set out in the, the wildlands and, you know, you have to do a couple of missions. And then after, you know, doing like a couple of missions where you meet Jackie and you end up inside Night City and then, you know, you have the bit where it jumps forward in time and you've been together for six months. I played the Street Kid this time and the Street Kid prologue is rubbish. You literally drive to a... You don't even drive to the garage. You get in a car with the Padre, get driven to a garage where you walk 20 feet, get in a car, and then get arrested. And then you jump forward six months. And I'm like, what was even the point to this prologue? And that is, that that for me, really exemplifies one of the chief problems with cyberpunk is this huge promise Mm. of diverse story paths. And we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And they just couldn't deliver 
deliver it. That's the first problem. Um, I say the first problem. It might actually be the only problem because uh, one of the things I want to say in, in like tangent to that, or opposite to that, should I say more like, is the feeling that cyberpunk gives me. So, and I, I know we've all seen that scene when you first come out of your apartment building, you look across the street, and yes, the first comment everybody makes is not on as many people as they were in the trailer. And that's absolutely yeah. true. But I've never felt more so when playing the next gen, when I walked out of that apartment and I looked up and I looked around Night City and there were cars driving past and then I walked down the stairs and there's Jackie sitting there and he starts talking to me and I sit down on the chair and then we get up and we go off and we get in the car and he drives me somewhere and then I get in the car and it, and it just feels, it's all in first person mm. and it just feels so fluid. It feels like it's I'm really in... I'm in the world and no other game does that this is something that cyberpunk does that makes you feel like you're actually there you're not playing third person or you can but I play it in first person and then you go to the ripper dock and you get in the chair and he changes your visual and it's just like and it's just they, they do that immersion so well and that's why it was so disappointing when we had these issues with the crowds and things not working properly because it took you out of that immersion so quickly so now a lot of those issues have been solved and don't get me wrong as I said I'm only about two and a half three hours into it but I really do feel like that's that immersion is feeling like it's back for me it's feeling like I'm inhabiting Night City not just playing a character that's in Night City and that's important to me because that is the element of cyberpunk that I want to feel mm. and and tied in with that is something that I'll jump on you said there the combat is you know one of the things with the combat was the AI was pretty bad yeah, it, it, and they've really worked on that. And I went in, and there's this fight, and you probably know the one. It's very early on. It's in the basketball court, and there's about five or six, you know, gangs, gang guys in there, mm. and they're holding up a couple of drug dealers. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go in there, and and literally two two of them with melee weapons came running up and came running at me, and I dispatched them pretty quickly, despite how crap a shot I am. And then the other three all <laughs> well all hunkered down behind cover, and they wouldn't yeah. come out. And I was like, hurled a grenade. And then he moved to a different bit of cover. And I literally had to think tactically about how I was just like popping over the wall, mm. taking pot shots at them and thinking, well, this isn't going to work. I've only got one health pack. And they're yeah. slowly whittling down my health. So I had to make a decision. And I died at least twice before I actually made the right decision. Yeah. But it really felt but it was again, fun. It was so much fun. I really mm. felt like I was, I was again, the, in the apartment block where you rescue the girl to be medivaced away. Yeah. That is, again, another great example. I think in the trailer, before they released it, they were showing us that he had loads of the extra powers, like the slow down time. Mm. You don't have yeah. that when you do it originally. So, again, you have to try and think about how you're going to do it tactically and use the cover. And it's, mm. it, uh, they act like you would expect yeah people to act in that situation the ai they hide You've, they try and get around you they they throw yeah. grenades they it's very good because you good. mentioned that particular scene that's something before mm. i'd go on to you phil and just get your your impressions as well that's something else that i wanted to add on that i forgot to mention before is there's a lot of very subtle changes they've made to that game mm. that i'm picking up as i go through and that is when the first one that's the first one that i spotted when i was playing the game is in that first area you go through you, you know you sneak into that room it's very tense and then you can see all the guys in that next area that you're going to go through and take out now before there was almost like a scripted point where there was a a, a 
a guy with a big gun who was like shooting through the wall and you had to go through an air vent on the left through a window and like flank him to take him out. They've changed that. So when you go into this room, the wall is all gone and the guy with the minigun is stood at the back of the room taking him out and you've got to take him out normally. That's completely you, changed. Actually, so, actually, that's not strictly true because then you have the diversity of the gameplay because you can still do that because that's what I did. So he's ah. distracted by Jackie and I flanked him through that vent in the window ah. that Bug opened up for me and shot him in the side, which distracted so, him, and then, then Jackie uh, went and so took you've him got out. the two right. So, so I didn't yeah, know you yeah. had that option before. Yeah. So I just on. want to jump in. This is exactly the point I was going to say to you. So I snuck through there. I killed mm. everybody in stealth. I snuck up behind the guy with the big gun and took him out in stealth as well. And right, I didn't okay. kill any of them. Yeah. I literally wow. I strangled them all. Turns out you can strangle the guy with the big gun and not yeah. kill him. <coughs> But then the objective sits there that says, kill the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and it sits him in the head. all the way on the screen. No, I tried that. He was lying on the floor, out cold, shot yeah. in there. It's times. funny you should mention that, Phil, because yeah. as I say, there are still bugs in there. Yeah. And the same thing in the same, not, not the same thing, but something happened to me. So again, I went, tried going with the stealth thing and I went into the next section with Jackie and, and there's a guy leaning up against some shelves at the entrance to the room. And I thought, right, I'll, steal, I'll take him down because the two guys have walked past you up the corridor. The game wanted me to go with Jackie and take down one of those guys while he was taking the other guy. Yes. But I didn't get that the first time. So I tried to take down the guy by the shelves, but it wouldn't let. It wouldn't give me the takedown mechanic. Yeah. So it wasn't quite as open. It was more scripted yeah. than you perhaps think in certain areas. Yeah. So there are still these these. Yeah. It's it's not there yet. I think there is still no. work to be done. And some of those problems that Cyberpunk had are design problems that aren't going to be mm. fixed. And they mm. are things that are going to stay with the game, such as the prologues and stuff mm. like that. So I think that you know, again, it comes down to the expectation. A yeah. lot of people were. Expecting yeah. a game that just doesn't exist yet, yeah. and even Rockstar, I think, would struggle to create that game. Or well, let's see what happens with number six. But mm. I, I think that the people wanted this totally immersive world where everything is kind of almost not. It looks like it's happening differently for everybody else. And I think we were having a, a chat, weren't we, today about um, somebody, some guy who posted a, an article about the fact that because you've got like the zoom-in lens, he was seeing all these bits of paper that are making up the world. And apparently everybody's buying into the local mango fund, which costs 100,000 yeah. eddies, because all the bits of paper are yeah. the same, which is yeah. a common trick. When you're making yeah. an open world game, you have to use the same assets. But again, it does come down to this. There's this. He's almost saying the element of, I expect more from CDPR because they promised more. I expect them to produce more assets. And when you were talking about the duplication of people, as I said to you earlier on, this story where I, I was doing the same thing. I was walking up and down, looking at the crowds, thinking, you know, is it, are they walking up and down? Because I noticed that last time and they weren't. And I was like, this is really mm. good. Shot my gun. People ran away. And then I noticed this big hulking guy literally yeah. walking down the street, almost buck naked, apart from a very tight pair of white pants, almost like, like he was wearing a, a nappy. And because he was so, so distinctive, he stood out to me and he carried on walking past me. And I turned around, walked three feet that way to a crossing. And the same guy was standing at the other side of the crossing. I was like, yeah. we're not quite there yet, are we? Yeah. You know, because, because when the yeah. character Characters look that distinctive. It's easy to see when they're yeah. duplicated. Because so, that'll happen in GTA, but yeah. again, because they're so generic, because Black, they are notice. designed to blend in, aren't they? Yeah, yeah you don't. And that's it. inherently yeah. the problem. But yeah, again, yeah. it's not. You know, uh, these issues aren't mm. going to go away, and if uh, mm. I'm sure they're going to continue working on it. But ultimately, the changes that I've seen as far as the gameplay for me are enough for me to go back in and enjoy the story a second yeah. time because I didn't actually Definitely. finish it the first time. 
Yeah, just to elaborate, just on, on when I was mentioned about that scene, that's really interesting mm. that it was still how they initially did it for you, but it was different for me. Yeah. Now, that isn't the only time that I noticed sort of slight design changes with things, and some mm. of them were really tiny. For example, talking about entering into the, um, the, f the factory where the Maelstrom gang are, normally you just walk down the ramp, but when you go there now, there's all this, this extra sort of junk and rubble they're putting in the way that you've got to kind of weave past to get to it. So this added stuff in. There was another... Um, I completely forgotten the section. There was another section that I noticed was that the people that were in the area were different characters than they were before. They, they, mm. I think, what well, used to be a kid and it's not anymore. I can't remember, but there's all these subtle, they're artistic changes, almost like they've gone right now. We're going to go back and we're going to have this big launch in a year's time to redo it. Some of the art teams have gone all right, so we've got time to go in and maybe things that they've just thrown random characters in because they're in such a hurry. They've had chance to review back and go, no, this is the original vision I had for it, and they've made these slight subtle changes. That it's just nice to see that they've been allowed to kind of, you know, be a bit creative with it as well. Well, that's one way to look at it, Craig. The other way to look at it is, you know, the whole rabbit hole of the game was clearly released way too early, and if it exactly been released twelve, no, that's exactly later, what I'm saying. Yeah, then you know, you know, yes, yeah. they're having this opportunity. Yeah, they're having this opportunity because they sold an unfinished game to millions of people. Yes. You know, yeah. And, no, 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 I, I totally get that. I'm not yeah. saying it's, you know, yeah, that's a that's a totally great thing to happen. No, I'm not at all. But the long and short, this game should have not released when it did. It should have released yeah. now is oh, when it yeah. should have done. But yeah. financially, that never would have happened. But anyway, Phil, what's your experience been so far? So again, like Alan, I've probably only stuck a couple of hours into it. And I, mm. again, started again with a fresh character. I played the Nomad this time as I played Corpo the first time. So I hadn't experienced the Nomad starting. Mm. And, and you hadn't God, the Nomad much. You hadn't played much before, had you? No, only about 10 hours in total anyway. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, you guys were so down on the game, it really bummed me out that I basically just stopped playing it and just went back to another game. You yeah. say you guys, I think, I, I think it was Chris. I think we, we yeah. ended up having a fight over it because I was 60 hours in and I was enjoying it. Yeah, he was, like, he was just dissing it and he kept saying I was shilling it and I was like, that is just, just no, back off. <laughs> <laughs> he had a bad time, bless him. He had a bad time. It, in that it game. wasn't. It wasn't just Chris, I don't think. But there was mm, no, there was a no, lot of sure. negative media around it, and I kind of got to the point. I was like, you know what? Like, you know, it was everywhere. It was on Facebook. It was on YouTube. Mm. It was in the emails you get coming up about the local games and stuff. I was just like, you know what? Like, I just I don't want to play this experience now. It's clearly not finished. So to go back in, and firstly, the Nomad starter is clearly the best one to choose because the Corpo mm. one is very disappointing in comparison to the Street Kids and apps. It's not as joke. bad as the Street Kid, but it's but no, it's the, definitely not. The Street Kid is Nomad. a joke. Like <laughs> yeah. that's not that. They must well have not even put that in there. There's no. no I just left it there. as a cinematic. It's a, it's a, it's a scripted cutscene that I've gone it, through. Yeah, it was. An it reminded me of Metal Gear Solid. You know, it's like yeah. you know you've got literally thirty seconds of walking, you know, real <laughs> gameplay <laughs> in between the cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, to me, this game almost strikes me now. You know, they promised this big open world, and I think it's at the point now where if you'd pictured this as a an open world with scripted story parts within each bit, then actually it's quite a good experience. And that's kind of how it feels to me now. So I'm taking away all that previous hype because I, I stopped playing it very early, and I guess I didn't get burnt, maybe, so to speak, because I stopped playing it early. I stopped before I would come across all these problems. To me now, mm. it feels like a really polished experience if I was to go. And like, Night City, it's a nice city, but, you know, I'm not expecting GTA levels of, you know, crowd interaction and things like that. Mm. I'm just kind of, I'm almost looking at the city as well. It's very pretty, and I'd like to go and look at this bit because there's clearly some nice art design, but actually it's 
getting from A to B is the city experience in the middle. Mm. And that's kind of how it feels to me now. And that's how I've kind of played it. Like I'm not going in and looking and trying to pick out whether the crowd's duplicated and whether if I shoot my gun in there, they're all going to run away and stuff like that. I'm getting in my car and I'm going, right, what's my next mission? I need to go here. And the city's just this really pleasant cityscape for me to travel between to the next story mission. Yeah. And from that I think that's a healthy way to look at it, I think, with this game. Yeah. yeah. Mm. For that perspective, it's a really good experience at this point. Mm. So if there's anybody else out there like me who didn't jump into it, or that perhaps they were put off by the negative media, if you take it as a it's a story with a city in the middle for you to get from AT, it's a great experience. Mm. And you know, you're gonna gloss over the pieces of paper that are selling a mango farm to everybody and the man yeah. in his white trunks walking around and his brother called Juan <laughs> who's on the other side of the street and they're just they're both off to the same dance show and that's why there's two of them you know they're, they're yeah. matching cousins Phil's <laughs> <laughs> lost, lost trying to get them a pass the but it's not happening <laughs> uh, all I'm kind of saying is at this point I think you know you know, this is the point really the game should have been released at a yeah. year ago. It couldn't be released at that because of COVID and, you know, the, the pressure around getting out at the right time and they obviously need to see the money on the bottom line. That didn't and work. And it had already been delayed by about a year, hadn't it? Yeah, and that didn't work. So they lost 25% of the value of their company. So I'm pretty sure the profit margins they might have made yeah. didn't account for that. So it was a horrible failure there. Um, Bear in mind, we are talking about the next-gen version here, so I'm, mm. uh, I don't know what the reports have been, because I know obviously they've been updating and improving. Mm. What about the previous-gen versions? I mean, how yeah. stable are they now? Are they still don't rubbish? I don't mm. know. So, you know, I'd be interested to find that out. I think, I think from what I've seen, there's been it's better stability and stuff on the older mm. consoles. I still think performance is pretty poor. Um, I think long and short of it, one of the, again, one of the key pillars they should have cut their losses on the last gen and just released it. They for should have done the, yeah. this should gen now. But financially, that never would have worked for them because no. you know it, they wouldn't. You know there wasn't enough consoles out there to do it. Although they would have sold a lot on Not PC. Sure they still are. Although yeah. as, yeah. as, it turn, as it turns out, the money they left off the company value has uh, counteracted yeah. that. So actually, you know what? If they waited another year, they'd probably still be in a better financial position than they are yeah. right now. So I think another I think, Witcher game, so they'll make their money back, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I series think X update for that some point. Out, yeah, the, the advice I'd put out there for people personally is um, there's going to be different types of people out there. There's going to be people who played it first time and maybe you know had an okay experience or a poor experience, but you know played it all the way through and kept the game. I would say if you fancy playing the game, it's definitely worth playing again. But I would jump in and start a new character again and just experience it from the beginning again, just to really see it at its at its best, rather than jumping in on your old character and trying to figure out you got to re reassign all your skill yeah, points yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, and then you've got other people out there who will have um, refunded it because obviously they're allowed to refunds because the product was essentially broken when it launched. So a lot of people refunded it, and also people who didn't buy it the first did, time. I think around. Chris did. What you can, he did refund it. it. Yeah, I'd yeah, be he did refund it. Interested to see what he thinks of it now if he if he dives back in. Cause, yeah, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I did speak to him briefly, and I'll, and I'll mm. give you his his um, yeah. his. Uh, idea of it so what I would say for those people like I say who refunded it who never played it last time is they have got a uh, for just this month um, they've got a five hour trial for free of the game so you can download the game and you can try it for five hours to see what you think um, and I think that's kind of that's showing their confidence in how the game is is operating now because you know you can download it, play through, and it and it does run 
really, really nicely. I believe um, it's it's at the twenty five pound per price mark on, on Steam as well. Mm-hmm. So and um, Xbox, I mean that and, and that that's PC. not a bad price point for 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 this game to be honest. Mm. In fact, it's a pretty good deal um, yeah. if you enjoy it and you'd be playing it. As I say, I didn't finish it and I played it for sixty hours and I didn't even yeah. scratch the surface really. Yeah. So if you enjoy it, that's a, that's a really good value for money as well. Yeah, I finished the main story without doing a large proportion of the side quests. Uh, it took me eighty hours. Um, and I really enjoyed it, even with the bugs. But yeah, going back, just I know Chris isn't here to sort of say his piece, but I did speak to him briefly on it. And I mean, as we know, he had a really bad experience. It was constantly crashing. He just it just ruined the experience for him because he just kept losing saves and it kept bugging out quests and stuff like that. And and he's you can tell he's still seriously burnt by that. Um, when he fired it up um, for the first time, immediately he still got the bug where the crowds disappeared. And I was, talking to him, I, was I don't I was like, I don't understand like no. Nobody else is getting this bug. What's happened? And I think he he did a restart or something, and it went away. But of course, straight that's, that's away cool. he was that's like, "Oh my god, it's still broken." That's he called was, the Jules yeah. effect. The Jules effect, is it? Yeah. If there's a bug in a game, Julian. Will oh, yeah, find yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Now, I I said that I think CDPR have actually been and hacked his Xbox and like bugged it because he was raging. <laughs> he doesn't like that get hard. he doesn't get the update. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, he just gets um, the old version. Yeah, so I mean, he's you know straight away you know really down on it. I think he's going to give it a little bit of a go, but it's going to be a hell of a hard sell for him. And I think there'll be a lot of other people out there like him who had yeah. a really rough experience. You know, maybe me and you, Alan, were quite lucky. You know, with right. our experience, I know Ritzy, yeah. um, another friend of ours in our little Xbox group. You know, he was the same. It was buggy, but it was a great game to play through and really enjoyed it. Um, and um, but yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people like Ratley who had such a tough experience last time and were so disappointed that it's just completely marred that experience going forward. And I think probably no matter what they do to it, it would ne- it wouldn't be able to turn those people around. So, but I mean, maybe next week we'll hear from Ratley as to if he did bother to try. I wouldn't hold your breath. I think he's tried it once and will have gone, sod this and deleted it again. Because, yeah, he wasn't happy. So, Um, but yeah. So, yeah, Sidepunk 2077. Give it a punt on the free trial. That's what I say. So, now we're going to move over to our final topic for the day or for the evening. We're going to move over to Mr. Phil. Um, And he's got uh, got a little something for us, haven't you, Phil? Far away. I have indeed. So, there was. uh, well, a few articles that came out, but a couple of articles around Ubisoft. Um, and basically in their recent kind of press release, they discussed um, their, their kind of current state of the company and they sort of did a kind of nod or head tip towards a lot of the acquisitions that had gone on previously throughout the industry. Acquisitions? Yeah, those, li- those little purchases <laughs> that Microsoft <laughs> and Sony made. I think we um, missed it. Must have yeah, it. must have missed it. Uh, yeah, we d- we definitely didn't cover it at great extent on the podcast at all. Um, and they did a sort of kind of hat tip towards that, and uh, it was really interesting to see that their their kind of position had sort of changed or softened a little bit. Um, so just for reference, back in 2016, Ubisoft um, basically fought off a, a very public and quite hostile takeover from I think it was called Vivendi was the mm-hmm. company. Yeah. I think I've pronounced that correctly. No, I think that's um, right. And they kind of were like very much like, you know, we are independent, you know, we're always going to stay independent. This is our thing. Um, But I'm going to read you the quote that they said, actually, because it it just clearly shows that their kind of consideration around this has softened. Um, So basically it said, you know, Ubisoft assets have never been so strong at a time when the value of assets has never been so high. Which was kind of alluding to like there's a lot of value in the company and there. 
Um, and they also kind of noted is, um, so Ubisoft can remain independent. We have the talent, the industrial and the financial scale and the large portfolio of powerful IP. Uh, having said that, if there were an offer to buy us, the board of directors would, of course, review in the interests of all stakeholders. Mm. So that kind of says to me, actually, <laughs> that you know, Eve Guillermo has turned around and showed his hindquarters to people with money and gone, you can get this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the exact opposite. None of that. La la la, you would never get this. It's <laughs> the cage has broken. Vico has got this. <laughs> uh, it's 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 the uh, industrial mating call. Kaka, kaka, kaka. Open the wallets. <laughs> so, I mean that, that that led me on to obviously you know the the topic of our conversation. Now, um, again, Ubisoft have had some issues. Particularly, they had a I think the phrase they used is a reckoning on employee harassment and workplace culture, mm. much like a uh, Activision Blizzard. So, I guess my question is, you know. Are they leading this into, are we going to see that you know Ubisoft are going to get purchased? If they do get purchased, are we talking, and I just want your opinions on this, is it going to be a Microsoft or a Sony purchase? Um, or is it you know some more third party? Maybe it's an Amazon purchase, potentially, to sort of get them into that gaming zone and bolster their Luna portfolio? Or is it maybe someone like Tencent who are just you know corporate through and through? In it for the monies. So well, I don't think that any of those that you've named aren't in it for the money. Um, I think I think you could you could pretty much target. True, them but the Tencent are like the big bad boogeyman of the gaming industry, aren't they? You talk <laughs> about them with hushed words. They, they very <laughs> much you, sit at the you, top of the pyramid the behind yeah. the cloth. Yeah. yeah, they are the yeah. Illuminati of the gaming industry. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know, Ubisoft. You look at Ubisoft and the amount of studios they have. I mean, they have got a vast number of studios worldwide. You know, they're a big hitter in the game. Um, you know, and I don't. As much as it's always exciting when these acquisitions happen, and I think like the Bethesda acquisition with Microsoft was was really good and really really exciting, um, you know, it got some great IP, and I think it was it was kind of like you know shifting the balance a little bit that was bringing Microsoft up to a point where they could compete a bit more with Sony and what they had to play with. Then obviously we had this Activision one hit where that's a whole nother level, you know, the 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 amount of money and the, the you know the <laughs> The vastness of that business How is just—it's—it's uh, it's insane. It's insane. The number of employees, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. The amount of people that they would be taking on, um, and it's a different kind of acquisition because that very much is a business strategy acquisition. Again, you know, they're talking about this whole um, Call of Duty not making it exclusive on the Xbox platform and, and allowing it to be over on the PlayStation platforms. Um, you know it. Is that because that's not really why they bought it, or is that really because of the whole monopolies commission thing? We don't really know. You know, it's yeah. you know, the, the, are they Still adjusting up in the error at the moment until they've actually uh, yeah. sealed the deal and signed on the dotted line? Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and although you know, I'm not going to stand here and go, oh yeah, Ubisoft, the little um, you know, wholehearted independent that they are, because that's not what they are at all. They're a massive <laughs> game game publisher. Um, but do I want to see every single? Um, publisher out there get swallowed up by sort of three or four large companies i don't think i do want to see that um you know it's nice to see a few of you know it's almost like um you know like a premiership football team they're sort of buying you know key players up to strengthen their teams and there'll be some really big teams but there'll always be the the other more scrappy teams that are still really entertaining to root for 
You don't want to have a league where there's only four players in it or four teams in it. You know, there's only your Microsoft, your Sony, your Amazon and your Facebook or whatever. You know, that's yeah. just you start to get to these these positions where there's there's so little in the game for these companies. They can just start to just they just continue to churn out the same junk over and over again. That's just going to guarantee to make the money. And that's when you start to see all these risks will stop being taken um you know a lot of risks and new ips and new ideas you see come out of these smaller indie studios um and you know they, they cost less money to make them big triple a games but that's where you see this this real like the innovation stuff come out and in, innovation that's the word i'm looking that's, for yeah. so you know i i hope they don't just you know go out and get bought by another company um and I, and if they do get bought by a company i hope it's they're being left to run as independently as they normally would. Although, if somebody, they need to write into the contract that they need to treat the Tom Clancy um, IP with a little bit more respect and stop churning out cack and actually go back to its roots. <laughs> oh, and we need yeah. to splinter cell. That's part of yes, the agreement. Exactly, yeah. exactly. No more Rainbow Six Extraction or the Division, whatever, G4, whatever it was. And whatever that all stars, out. yeah, that first I person. I can't remember what it was FPS. called now. The Divergent or Defiant or some X Defiant. That X was Defiant, it. yeah, that's it. And then wasn't it? Um, there's another like Ghost the, Recon Frontline. Yeah, Frontline. frontline yeah, that's, isn't, that's, isn't isn't that a lawn pesticide? Frontline. Yeah, possibly dogs. I'll be honest. It's, if they keep doing that, if you, it's if be you ingest, Ubisoft will be on my lawn. Yeah, pesticide label. If you ingest both of them, it's bad for you. So you yeah. know, it's uh, yeah. 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 Oh, very good. Very, very yeah. good, Craig. Um, You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm in the same. I'm kind of in the same mind. But at the same time, I think that the the whole gaming, um, you know, developer structure has changed quite fundamentally over the last couple of decades. There was there was a time when when PCs were first coming into the house. I'm old enough to remember this, but I do remember, you know, when when you know it wasn't all these big AAA titles. They were really <laughs> quite rare. Frontline is a D-flea, apparently. That, that's what I said, dogs. Yeah, dogs, that's what I thought. Dogs D-flea. Um, and, and where a lot of the, a lot of indie developers, a lot of, like, independent, like, you know, guys sat in their basement were making games and they were the, giving the mm. code out or you're getting it on magazines and stuff like that. And then we went through the era of it all being massive de- publishers and, and only AAA games and you couldn't get any of these. And then the mm. era of Microsoft came along and, and all of a sudden these games started coming back in to the gaming infrastructure and and now I think it's kind of a two tier and and I used to be one of those guys like well I'm not playing any of that you know look at the graphics on that that's rubbish that I'm not you know mm. I mean a real a real sort of like elitist about playing only AAA games and then as time has gone on I've started to to you know play more and more of these smaller indie game studio games because they've got so much more to offer um, personally for, for me. One of the things that I do think about these bigger publishers being taken on board by one of the big three or four is the fact that it does allow them to actually experiment a bit more. And I think it's one of the things that, that Phil has been very vocal about, saying that you know a lot of these um, developers, they're not just taking them on and going, right, now you're going to do this, now you're going to do that, now you're going to do this, which Sometimes I think Sony can be a little bit 
they, they do tend Heavy to handed, do that. I think, is yeah, the term. which is Microsoft seem to be the other side of the coin where they're kind of like, right, okay, so you have our financial backing and you have our support and we do want you to produce something, but at the same time, we don't want you to worry about the finances. We want you to go away and make the game you want to make. And I'm sure that's not always going to be the case, but that does, I think, give a safety net to some of these developers to be a little bit more experimental and mm -hmm. to not stick to. And I think that can't be a bad thing for Ubisoft, who, quite frankly, Let's, let's be honest, they have a template for a game and they've now managed to roll that template out over multiple game IPs and it's basically the same template. The expression, so maybe if they, uh, the expression yeah. wash, rinse, repeat is basically exactly. the Ubisoft exactly. game development so, catalogue. So, so if they were picked <laughs> up by, you know, maybe Microsoft and were told, you know what, here's, a, here's all this money, go away and make the game you want to make for some of these developers that are under their wing, then maybe we would see the next Splinter Cell in a different incarnation or something different mm. because it isn't that standard template that Ubisoft works on. Me personally, I think that the infrastructure these days is just fine. If you've got all these big developers under one roof or one or two roofs, depending on which camp you fall in, and, and they're actually producing games that are more innovative than the, just the same game they churn out year after year after year. I think that's a good, e that's a good ecosystem because I've all, you've always got these indie developers that are willing to take a risk and produce games that perhaps you weren't even expecting. And suddenly this is the big game of the year, Hades, or in my case, Project Zomboid. I mean, this game has been around since 2013 and it's, mm. uh, it's now getting the, the media attention and the, twi the, you know, the Twitch views that it deserves because it is a very great and complex game. But if you looked, when I first looked at it and I saw like a video of it, I looked and went, well, that looks a bit weird. And it's only because <laughs> I gave it a try because it was 15 pounds in Steam that I actually, you know, that I'd actually mm. found out that this is, this, is, this is probably one of my top games of all time now. And, mm. it, you know, and it's, 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 so I think the ecosystem that we have is great. And I think that if Ubisoft got picked up, I think it's probably to their benefit, quite frankly, in the games that they produce. And they might be tempted to actually step outside of their comfort zone and do something a bit different other than Division 6 or that's Rainbow Six Extraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is yeah. diver diversive for them, though, isn't it? I suppose. Well, well, there's well, something that Kimmy's just put up there. She said, I'm sure if too many purchases, uh, it, I'm sure if there are too many purchases, competition law will get involved. And, and I think she's absolutely right with that. You know, if it, it, I think it's mirroring kind of what I said there. We don't want to have, you know, just four big teams full filled with everything. You know, it's... It, I think... It, yeah, I think mm. I back you up there. Like Ubisoft, a too big a player. I mean, I, I did double check this. Obviously, their their valuation is around about the seven billion mark. It's like six point eight nine or something. So oh, they're okay, kind that's of similar. Similar. I thought it'd be bigger than that. Yeah, unless I've got dodgy information. I mean, that seems so. A little so low. how, how much did Microsoft pick up Blizzard for? Sixty four point seven. Yeah, sixty eight wasn't it? Sixty eight, mm. I think. They were yeah, worth sixty four. So they paid sixty eight because Ubisoft. Yes, that's that, that's that's next week's. You know, that's just better. yeah. Just by then, <laughs> I I mean, I'll be honest. I did that. I googled that very quickly. So that does seem a little low. But I'm going to go on assuming that's correct because it was based on evaluation last year. I mean, they they are the Bethesda kind of size in there. Mm. Mm. Uh, the thing is, I don't think a company that size that's worth that kind of money, they can afford to take risks. They mm. absolutely can. They don't need to be bought by Microsoft to take risks. They just, they lack the imagination and foresight to do it. They're so stuck in their way. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, every, every year they used to do their kind of... <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, just for audio listeners. One. Ryan's but can't go five minutes without Alan talking about Project Zomboid facepalm emoji. <laughs> One day, Ryan, you will be so passionate about a game that you'll want yeah. to talk about it all yeah, the time. Yeah, Trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I can't remember what I was saying now. I've lost uh, my yes. train of thought. I've cracked up with that. But basically, I, I, Ubisoft, I think they can, they're a big enough company. They can afford to innovate. They are choosing mm. not to. They're too but afraid But that's, that's to. the thing. that These, these, these companies aren't run risk. by creatives. They're run, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're run yeah. by shareholders. They're run by people who want to see a profit. And they go to them and say, right, we want to spend X many millions of pounds to make this completely untested, new, fangled, whatever type game. And they go, okay, well, that's a lot of money. That costs you that to make another division game, which we know makes X amount of millions profit. So no, go and make that instead. Yeah, but that's why. Yeah, but that's not working. That's not working. That's why we have Jurassic Park Dominion coming out because it's Mm. the same situation with the movies. They don't want to spend hundreds of millions of pounds making a film that might not make a return when loads of people. (laughs) I don't mention the audience. Start a drinking game. Alan mentions Project Zomboid. Drink. I don't think any of us are going to get drunk that much. a lot of smashed people in the audience. It's nowhere near that much. Nowhere near that much. Outrageous. But yeah, if you just I, did a I, couple of fingers of whiskey, you'd be all right. You'd be but well, I think that this well is away. fundamentally a problem, and that's part of what I was saying about, you know, actually a massive company like Microsoft having these publishers under their wing gives them that freedom to... You know, because you always have shareholders. I mean, even an independent company like CDPR released their game 14 months early, let's be honest, because of shareholder pressure pressure because they Mm. couldn't afford because these games now that we're talking about you know you used to be able to produce a game in six months and chuck it out was it what's the the story about like was it the et game and the guy had like two three weeks to make it and he shoved it out it's like they're in landfill sites yeah you know it's gaming (laughs) history right but these days it can take years absolute years and hundreds of people that all need to be paid and offices well not so much these days but you know what i mean Mm. all this money that just gets siphoned away with no promise of any return and at some point these people who've paid millions of their own money into this project are going to go when am i going to see some money back and that's so I, how the business works. And when if you have like this big brother that sits over you and goes, do you know what, don't worry about that, we've got enough money, then maybe you'll have the opportunity to make that game and not worry quite so much about the pennies. Or so the I, think, I think that's really appropriate for those smaller indie studios that are making yeah. the smaller games, getting picked up by Microsoft. I think that's a really valid model. I think if mm. a company the size of Ubisoft can't afford to manage their budget to the point that they can afford to spend some money into R&D on a new title, then there's fundamentally their business model is broken. Well, at the end of the day, that could very you, well be the case. You can't just keep making the same game over and over again. Eventually, the return will drop off on it, and that is what we're, that's what we're seeing with them now. You know, they're coming up with this Extifight, nobody's playing it. They come up with Rainbow Six Extraction. It didn't work. It had to go into Game Pass to get people to play it. Is, is Extifying out? I don't even think it's out, is it? I, 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 I don't know. I've, that, that'd I be don't. why nobody's playing it. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ignoring next fight. Um, well, that Tom Clancy's the the Ghost Recon Battle Royale thing. I mean, they just yeah. they basically just went, well, that's not coming out anytime soon, didn't they? They just put a massive delay on it. We don't even think that's coming <laughs> out. They've realised that 98% of the people who watched the video downvoted it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That, you know, they're... Their wash, rinse, repeat, it's reached that point now where they're not getting the return. And what they haven't done is they haven't invested in R&D into new games and IPs, Mm. just, you know, like they should have. You know, things like, you know, development of new games, new IPs, that is vital to the continued success of a company. And that's what Mm. they haven't done. So actually, fundamentally, the problem is Ubisoft's business model, whether they're too short-sighted from their board or the wrong people are running that company, perhaps, that they haven't invested in their future. That's a great and that's the problem. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so just to yeah. mention there, yeah, I think Craig said it perfectly, though. There is uh, now a huge fear of games just flopping if they're, in inverted commas, new. Uh, no Man's Sky, Cyberpunk, both amazing but flopped releases. Smash out a new COD, no issues. That's but it. I think, uh, uh, first of all, I disagree with the first part of that, but the rest of it, totally on point, you know. Oh, well, <laughs> I said it perfectly. Yes, yeah, yeah. you know, but, you're but I think, reaching a bit there, Pete. Yeah, come on, let's, let's, not, let's not get overboard. But, you know, you'll boost his ego, and we really don't need that. But, I think, again, fundamentally, both of those examples, the main issue with that is that, again, it's releasing games that aren't finished, and that's because of pressure from shareholders and, and people yeah, who that's, have financial that's a, interest. It's a different problem in the business yeah. model. Like, releasing them early, that is poor time management, poor resource, management i don't know whatever something has gone wrong in the development model what i'm talking about is they should be allocating funds to r&d for new ips for new technologies you know mm. you know there's an umpteen number of different game engine models out there you know Konami do their fox engine for example they could have just used unreal but they funneled money into that because that was what they needed it to do um division uses its snowdrop engine there's no reason they couldn't have just used frostbite from ea or something if they wanted to instead or again Ugh. gone back with unreal <laughs> yeah. yeah you know what i'm saying you know there's yeah. there's options they could do but they're choosing to funnel it into this um are they funneling their money into the wrong places perhaps i don't know well i suppose I just with think that something... you know it's, it's a business decision again isn't it it's if you can create your own versatile engine that you own the lot of rights for you then don't have to pay rights on a third party well, engine, yeah, which yeah. eats into your profits you know and it's all yeah. profit driven they are businesses at the end of the day and i think it's probably a little harsh to sort of someone like ubisoft to say they don't try new things you know things like trials things like the mario rabbids type stuff and rabbids itself there's lots of little things that they do do and they do try and there are smaller kind of indie things that they do and i think they used to kind of appease that market a little Isn't bit but riders republic one of theirs riders republic yeah, riders yeah, yeah. That, was, that was off the back of yeah, um, yeah. off the back of steep wasn't it you know, yeah steep yeah, was yeah, the, yeah. The, the first one of that you know so that you know they do do things and they do try things but you know they do have to have their money makers and you know like we said was said before on there you know cod for activision is just guaranteed cash in the door easy yeah. money you know um so yeah yeah it's it's one of those things, I think. Really, that was kind of. Most I mean, of my maybe. maybe on that. I mean, as, I think one of the things that, that, that obviously I think Ubisoft are having a lot of uh, sort of like issues at the moment, aren't they, with uh, rebellion in the ranks from their their employees and not happy with the working environment. And wasn't there something yeah. to do with NFTs? They keep trying to give them oh. NFTs, and they're like, yeah. what, "What? This is just stupid. These are rubbish. We don't want them." And they, they're actually yeah, posting things on of, the in, internal chat on. and stuff. That I mean, I just think NFTs. I mean, I, I know I'm an old guy, and, and obviously I'm not in with the youngsters. But NFTs, they just sound like a con to me. And quite frankly, I think it's, the Ubisoft employees feel the same way. They're just, yeah. they're just like it's just another rubbish. form of cryptocurrency, yeah. you know, which is a big thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of two fours and against. I don't want that's a whole other subject. Yeah. Would be that's a very talking about. It's a very deep, dark rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. that one, I think. At yeah, this point exactly. You know, so I think maybe maybe it's something we need to talk about and do a bit of a show on on, on NFTs at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it possibly is the future of gaming. Whether we like it or not but maybe we'll talk about it soon but um i reckon that's probably about it for this week um again it's uh, been nice to chat about all things gamey gamey this week um, and project so, zomboid everybody uh, go here we go and drink. and drink and drink yes <laughs> and drink again <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, I guess it's um, yeah, until next week, and maybe we might have uh, old Phil going, get the checkbook, and see if he might have bought Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So it might be tight with that. Well, speed freak Phil. Yeah. I, don't think he, I don't think he can afford them. Yeah, clearly I've got 6.8 billion tucked away in my back pocket, chaps. So I'll get you a <laughs> That's job That's why he on doesn't there. need to assemble that table behind him, you see. No. So... Uh, <laughs> He's got tables all over the place. Tables for days. Anyway, that's a buy from Alan. Project's on, boy. Hey, a buy from Mr. Phil. And drink again. Ah, and a buy from me. See you later, everyone. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>